You're listening to Car Seat Questions, a podcast for parents of curious kids. I'm Lauren. And I'm Eddie. And if you're anything like us, you either have a kid or you care for a kid with questions. Questions about all sorts of things. So for the next half hour, hop into the passenger seat, buckle your belt, and become childlike with us as the Lord takes us where he wants us to go. Enjoy the show. everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of Car Seat Questions. Today we are welcomed with Father Jack King. We are going to be talking about sin. Yay. So big, big <laughs> topic. But we did survey a group of parents and there was several kind of key subjects that came up a lot and sin was, I'd say like top three in the questions that came up a lot. I'm not really sure why that is. I mean, I guess because it's like the biggest thing we talk about in our Christian life is the opposite of what we're supposed to be doing. So we're not supposed to be sinning. So I guess I mean, that makes sense. And I think for young minds, it's hard to maybe get your head around like, what is sin? What is sin not? And like, do I have control over it? You know, so maybe that's why. So Father Jack, if you just want to share with us a little bit about who you are, um, what you do and your family. Thank you. Thank you all so much for having me on uh, this podcast. I mean, first of all, I just think that it's a it's a great concept and to be able to have conversations with, uh, with kids. So, so pleased to be with you all. Uh, I live in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I'm actually from Knoxville. So I am a pastor at Apostles Anglican Church, and I've been there for, uh, I guess coming in this summer, it will be 16 years, which is hard to believe. So, uh, I, I love being at this parish and I didn't grow up Anglican but uh, became Anglican when I came to work at Apostles so I think being a pastor in your own your hometown was a something I never imagined and b something that I loved so another effort that I uh, began two years ago with some folk at uh, at our church was to have a center for spiritual formation it's called the Saint Benedict mm. Center for Spiritual Formation. So we do training for the Ministry of Spiritual Direction, and we have like two times a year a symposium on uh, topics in spiritual theology. And uh, one of our friends in common, Preston Hill, he was one of our speakers, and he was mm-hmm. great. So that's a little bit about me. And most importantly, I'm married to Emily. We've been married this uh, this year. Will be uh, 16 years. To- together. She's a marriage and family therapist. And so mm-hmm. um, she is a fountain of wisdom and just, you know, exudes the love of Jesus. Um, and my kids, I have two. Madeline is 12. And then we have a son who's nine. His name is Colin. So this particular age is just been a lot of, of fun. And so a lot of the work that you do um, to build into your kids' uh, virtues and habits and those kind of things, mm. you know, you see the fruit of what the Lord has done later on. So it's funny because it's actually true that time flies so fast. I mean, I was just looking mm-hmm. at like old videos and pictures of our son. He's going to be three this summer. Okay. Like, he's going to be three, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. I, I look back just like the videos when he was born or when he like turned one and just kind of see his growth, you know, up until this point. 
you know, yeah. a lot of people say, oh, yeah, well, you know, time's going to fly by. And I was like, yeah, 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 everybody says that. But it's actually true because he's going to be three. Yes. And then before we know it, he's going to be nine and then <laughs> yeah. 12. Yeah. Right? And, then a, and then a teenager. Uh, yeah. You know, and I remember when I was at, you know, when our kids were like, I mean, age three and, you know, around that, I just remember thinking, savor this. Um, mm-hmm. you, I wish I remembered more, but it's like, it's kind of impossible for you know, to remember so, that. You're so when tired and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the one thing that you can do is just try to be awake to what is mm-hmm. happening and be be as present as possible uh, because that's where the Lord is. He's in the present moment. Yeah. I like that you said that all the virtues and things that you pour into them at this time really do pay off because it's hard to see mm-hmm. that right now. Even just yesterday, I gave something to my son and he said, thank you. And I like literally gasped because <laughs> it's like the first time he's said thank you, like on his own volition, not be like, okay, can you say thank you now? Like he said it in the proper yeah. context and, you know, and I was like, oh my gosh, it's working. It's working. Yes. He's going to say thank you one day. <laughs> It'll be good when all those things, they can grow into all those things and all the things you spend hours that feel like. They're not doing anything they do, actually. They pay off. Yeah, so Father Jack, thanks again so much for uh, joining us um, to talk about, a, not that all of our other topics are not important, <laughs> but sin especially, right? Yeah. It's, it's very important for yeah. um, for our beliefs uh, as Christ followers. And so as mm-hmm. a starting point uh, for sin, like what do we need to understand or even explain about God before we mm. address sin? I love this question. And I actually, when, when we have settings where we're, you know, it's a, whether it's a Bible study or uh, different classes or just informal conversations like that, that kind of question I love. And I think most of all is to say the story didn't begin with sin <laughs> and we, we can fall into uh, an error um, of beginning there beginning with what went wrong when in mm-hmm. fact uh i think be- the the place the thing that we need to understand before we address sin is that god made the world good and beautiful and in fact uh, i remember reading this one time um and you know we can like translate this for for kids um but the version of the old testament the early church used was the Greek version, so this, you know, Septuagint. And when Genesis 1 says, and God looked upon all these things and said that they were good, the word in Greek for good also means beautiful. And so it's, mm. you know, looking at God at the each days of the creation, it's like, and God looked upon all, all of this and he said, it's beautiful. And mm. so he's created, you know, the original creation is full of joy. It is full of goodness. It is full of beauty. And that's the image in which we're made. I think Mm. secondly is when it says we were made in the image of God is to, is to remind our kids that the, that image is God in three persons and they love one another perfectly. Father, son, and Holy spirit. They're always loving one another. They're giving love. And they're receiving love. And that is who we are um, at our core. Our first, um, that's the way we were made before sin comes into the picture. Mm -hmm. And we've not lost that image. We've lost that, you know, being like God, but being like Jesus. Um, But we were made for relationship. 
And we were made in this world to enjoy it. And God wants us to do it. And so we'll get in a sin, I'm sure. But it's like the problem is, is that we enjoy these things in the wrong way. And we look to them more than God himself is the ultimate joy that we mm-hmm. have. So I think beginning with beauty, beginning with mm-hmm. joy, um, I want to, you know, give that message to our kids because as a pastor, you know, I find that I'm talking to adults in the middle of their life and later in their life, and they've had sin just kind of impressed mm-hmm. upon them more than the beauty and the goodness of God and his original creation. Yeah. Yeah. I think we focus more on like the bad and the wrong instead of what's actually yeah. beautiful and what God meant for it to be and how we can take part in what was meant to be, even with sin being in the world. Right. Or even, or even thinking about like the, the origins, right. Of humanity. Yeah. Like you said, Father Jack, it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was perfect. Yeah. God looked upon it and he said, this is good. Yeah. And you know, there's one other story too, because when you think about sin, of course we go to Genesis and we ought to, but thinking about it most of all, um, and what it means to be human, I think even more so in light of Jesus and like, you know, in, in Anglican tradition, like the transfiguration story is really important. And one of the things we see in that story, like when Jesus is radiating glory, it's like, that's what a mm. human being, it, you know, God intended for a human being to be is radiating his mm-hmm. beauty and his glory. So it's like that story is a key story for understanding what God had in mind. Yeah. So now that we kind of know what what God had in mind and what the world was meant to be. How, what is sin? I guess what at the bottom of the story, what is sin? Like, yeah. And how is it opposite of what God intended? Yeah. And here's where like, you know, using different like metaphors can be really helpful, especially Mm -hmm. like with parents talking to kids. And um, there's a number of ways that you could approach that. The one that I have found really helpful. And you find this a lot in the church fathers. They talk about it all in really like medical terms. They talk about it like a disease, a deadly Mm. disease for which there's a cure. And only God is the one that can heal that. But unless we come to him, you know, like going to the doctor and, you know, when our life is at stake, we won't be healed. And, and I think that's a helpful thing to understand. Mm -hmm. It's like, um, just like, if it was a disease we're born with, because we were born into this condition where we have a sin nature. And so it's not something we get later on the first time we do something wrong. Like, no, this was actually from the beginning. And it that was true for our moms and our dads and our grandma all the way back to um, Adam and Eve and their kids. You know, they were born without sin, mm-hmm. but after the sin, everything thereafter, the world was just, you know, turned and it, it went vi- sin went viral, you know, as we might say. Mm-hmm. So, I think using that sense of like, we got a sickness that, you know, this will actually, it's a deadly thing unless we turn to the Lord um, and that there's a cure. Um, You know, uh, another, another way that we can talk about this is that um, we, and I mentioned this when we talked about um, how do we, uh, how do we understand God before we address sin is that we love we love things in the wrong way and in the wrong order. In mm. other words, we love yeah. things more than we love God himself. We love uh, sin is like taking good things, like God's gifts, and making them more important than God himself. Because um, mm. one of the things that we, one of the misunderstandings that we could have about sin is that 
it may not be something itself that's wrong. I mean, sin at, at its core is taking something that's good and then twisting it. Hmm. That's yeah. what the enemy does is he wants us to love like God's good gifts more than mm-hmm. God himself. And I think right now, um, particularly for the Anglican church, we're in the Lent season ah. and yeah. it really is like, what are those things in my life that I turn to that I'm going to instead of God? What are those things? Yes. And maybe it's something silly, like um, just like TV, just watching TV at night. But am I using TV yeah. to not be introspective and look at myself and be who I am and be upfront with God and talk about with God, the things that I'm doing, what's going on in my life, the sin issues in my life. What am I turning to, to kind of mm-hmm. like drown out God. And yeah. that's like what sin is. It's the things that we're turning to instead of turning to God. That's yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly right. And you know, when, when I was uh, thinking about talking with kids about this and some of the things that we've tried to do, and making these connections with like a a really you know deeper broad theological topic uh is to give them examples and to give them like sometimes like ridiculous examples because <laughs> then they can kind of like get it so so mm-hmm. here's like one that i might use so i'm a big baseball fan and i'm like a real big boston red sox man um, oh, Eddie's a huge so, baseball guy, so yeah, big, big okay. baseball guy. So glad to hear it. <laughs> okay, are, and so y'all are Chicago area, right? Are you? Are you? Yes. Are you Cubs fan, Eddie? Absolutely not. <laughs> I am a diehard no. White Sox fan. Yes, if you live in Chicago, I got it. Yes, <clears throat> or if you spend a little bit of time in Chicago, you will understand the rivalry He's between <laughs> White Sox and Cubs fans. But <laughs> yeah, well, I have to say, like back in the day, like Frank Thomas was a big hero oh, of mine, yeah. so it's. Southsiders, I, I I got respect for you. So um, <laughs> thank you. So I appreciate that. So like, let's you know, let's say that. So my wife's birthday is like in June, like right in the middle of the Red Sox season. So let's say <laughs> it's like her her birthday, and we, you know, she wants to have family over and cake, and I'm like, um, okay, well, we can do that, but can we like maybe postpone it because the Red Sox are playing the Yankees, and like you know, if they win, they'd be in. You know, it's like, of course, that's like. Ridiculous, but that's an example of, you know, is it wrong to love baseball or to enjoy it? No, of course not. God gives us, you know, he, he wants us to enjoy, like, mm-hmm. you know, being playful, like, but it's completely out of order. Like, what are my priorities? Mm-hmm. And so I think using sometimes those really ridiculous, silly examples yeah. um, can help kids get a comp. That's a concept, actually, that St. Augustine taught, that Hmm. our sin problem is that we have affections that are out of order. Hmm. They're out of order. And C.S. Lewis, when he wrote about our affections, he quoted John Donne, who said that our affections kill us not, nor die. It's that we get them, Mm. you know, so it's like we have these affections. We just got to get them in the right order. So when we bring Mm. that to talk about it with our kids, we have to get something from their world that they see. And, you know, again, even being silly with it. And then that principle, we can kind of begin to instill that within them. And I I think that's a a really good segue to some of the questions that we got from Mm -hmm. real children. So kind of like how Lauren mentioned at the beginning of the episode, um, they had a survey. 
to parents and we actually got a lot of different questions about different topics and we actually jotted down some questions that we got from children. And the first one is, uh, and again, just kind of goes along with what we've been talking about. Why can't I just do what I want? <laughs> Don't we all have yes. that same question? Why can't... <laughs> yes, that's right. It's like, this is, this is a question you'll be asking in the middle of your life too, you know? <laughs> yeah. uh, right. And, I think this this is a is an occasion to to talk about what happened to ourselves like after Adam and Eve sinned and how the world um and our our bodies, our minds, our souls um were corrupted. And maybe there's another good way of like describing to kids like what it means to be corrupted because it's like we weren't born corrupt, you know, but mm-hmm. you know, we got all tangled up like a lot of times is um, as I talk about it with grownups, I say that um, like sin just divides us. It divides us against one another, and it actually divides me and my um, and myself. So mm-hmm. why can't I do what I want? Because because we were born with this sin condition, this deadly disease. What that means is, I think of myself and what I need first. And that is just, I, I mean, I don't even think about it. That's just what occurs to me. And if, um, and I think, again, it's like when we ask those questions, why can't I do, you know, what I want? We don't want to just look at Adam and Eve. Again, let's go to Jesus uh, because he reveals to us how this ought to look, particularly, I mean, in the Gospels, I think particularly when he talks about the Father in John, and one of the things that he said, I came not to do my own will, I came to do my Father's will. So I can't do what I want, um, because what that would do is, um, that would turn me, you know, I'm not going to love God, I'm not going to love people, and I'm going to hurt them, I'm actually going to hurt myself, Um you know, thinking about this uh, this question, um, I don't know if y'all like to wa- uh, watch like stand up comedians, um, mm-hmm. but there's one comedian who uh, Brian Regan. Do y'all know him? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, so he has this bit called like the Me Monster. You know, where <laughs> someone like I mean, it's you know, like uh, I mean, you know, dinner party, like all the conversations got to come back to me. And it's like, me, 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 me. And it's like, sin, it's kind of making me into this me monster where, mm. you know, and what happens is that it hurts other people. And actually, yeah. if I think only about what I want, maybe I feel good about getting what I want straight away. But later on, something goes like, that didn't feel right. I hurt somebody mm. else. I'm sad about that. Well, why mm. is that? Well, I think that's where we can go back and say, because you were made in the image of God who is a relationship, the Trinity, Mm. and they love one another perfectly. And that's why he's speaking to you, is that it's not all about what I want. Let's remember Jesus, because he says that on several occasions. I came to do my Father's will. And I think we could take that other step and talk about when we do the Father's will first, and we and and we serve one another. Paul talks about that in the church too. Let's think of others um, more highly mm-hmm. than ourselves. That actually brings us freedom. And it's we call that a paradox in theology. We could say it's a surprise. Mm-hmm. 
It's like, yeah. we don't expect it, but it's like, all of a sudden, this feels right. And we'd mm -hmm. say, that's what it means to be human. Yeah. To love others is to be human. And yeah. to put others before ourselves. But sin makes it really yeah. hard to love others because we only want to love ourselves. And we want to do what's yeah. right for ourselves and not for others. Yeah. The next question that a kid asked is, why is there sin? And I think this is helpful because we just did an episode on <laughs> Satan. So okay. this will follow after yeah. that. And it'll be kind of a good kind of flow into that is why is there sin? So we've learned about Satan. Those of you who have been listening, we've learned about Satan last time. So mm. now how do we talk to our kids about why is there sin? Man, you know, this is one of the things that uh, I both love and fear in talking with children because they ask mm. the best and toughest questions of all, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. which is great because it, it requires all of us like parents, I mean, pastors, you know, I mean, everyone in the church, like, you've got to give an answer for that. Um, mm -hmm. That is, distills it down to the heart of it. You know, why is there sin? The thing that, you know, that strikes me first about that, that or that I would want to say to uh, a kid is, there's sin, you know, sin came into the world because God gave us free choices to choose him in love. To choose the right thing, but he also took a big risk when he said, "I'm not going to make you love me. I'm mm. go, I, you know, it is your own decision to choose me or to reject me." And of course, that would break his heart. And so, because God didn't make us like so that we had no choice, mm -hmm. um, we have an option to honor Him, mm -hmm. to obey Him. Or to reject him. And we would say, of course, like, okay, then they might go, well, why did God make us that way? Because it would not be a loving God who made you and just said, do, do what I do. You don't have a choice. Right? Yeah. He loves us mm -hmm. because he wants us to be fully alive and free in what we choose Um ourselves and when we choose the right way we see we get even more freedom and more joy when we choose wrongly mm. we find that we are we're divided separated we find that we are sad and lonely so mm. sin comes because god gives us this choice god gives us a choice because he's a loving god um who's uh wants us to to have that kind of freedom um, so I, I look at it, uh, that way and because ultimately that's what led to the fall is that God and the church fathers talk about this. Like he took a great risk and a lot of, mm -hmm. you know, as you know, for parents and adults were like, there's times, especially as you look at some of the real dark stuff that happens in the world. It's like, why did God think this was a good idea? <laughs> and it's like. Well, ultimately, it's because we wouldn't be free to love him mm -hmm. um, of our own choosing unless yeah. he made us that way. And it's really the miracle of God that he will make all things well when we mess things up terribly by choosing the wrong way. Yeah. No one wants to be loved by force. Not even God. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't want to be loved by force. I don't want to, you know, force my husband to love me. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And I, <clears throat> yeah and, th and that was something, too, that we had also talked about um in the first episode when we were talking about 
uh, like spiritual development of a child. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Our guest was a um, children's pastor, mm-hmm. and he mentioned like if if God didn't give us a choice to love Him, right, then we would be serving a God who is basically a, a dictator. Mm-hmm. You know. And, yes. And that's not what. Yes. That's not who God is. Yeah, that's yeah. not who He is, and that's very encouraging that we mm-hmm. don't yeah. serve, you yeah. know, a, a, a God who forces us mm-hmm. uh, to love Him. And, and, you know, one thing that we could also connect in the story, because it's like um, when these questions come up, I think it's so important when we talk about our kids, I mean, talk with our kids about it, that we go back to the stories of Scripture, because this is like, it's not only giving them a direction, it's enchanting their imagination. And mm-hmm. not only what we say, but how we think mm-hmm. through is teaching them as well. So just yeah. as we're talking about this, like loving by force, it's like, man, Eddie, as you were talking about that, what uh, what struck to me straight away was like, that's Pharaoh, mm-hmm. is that yeah. he's the enslaver. So what does God do to Pharaoh? Saying, let my people go. Mm-hmm. And and he yeah. actually gives Pharaoh a choice to do that, right? You know, 10 times. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he's yeah. like, okay, now it's like game over. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm taking him. It's like there's that huge contrast. Like this is who God is. These are the tyrants of the world, and it's like that's not that's not who our God mm-hmm. is. He's the one that sets us free. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The next question we got from a kid was, <laughs> it's kind of big. Why did God let Adam and Eve sin? And kind of secondly, why would God put a tree that they can't eat from in the garden? Yeah. So yeah, why did He let them sin, and why is there a tree in the garden? Uh, first of all, you know, why did he let them sin? Well, we could go back to the importance of a God that creates us with free choice, um, and that that's Mm -hmm. an act of love. Um, so he took that risk. He gave us that choice that we could choose him or reject him. So that's, you know, that's one side of it. Um, but then the other side of it is, is we see throughout scripture, uh, that God tests those that belong to him. Hmm. And he tests um, his own son, right? And hmm. I mean, Hebrews talks about this. I mean, there's other places in the New Testament that Jesus himself is tested in the wilderness. He's tested in hmm. Gethsemane. And so the, not the tree in the garden, it's more than this, but it's, it serves the role of a test. For Adam and Eve. And then they would say, well, why would God test us? Mm-hmm. And we would say to that, that, you know, we are born, but we grow. And so as you're all talking about spiritual development, it's like, how do you get stronger as you grow up? And it's like, only by having these kind of tests mm-hmm. um, where you're, un, you know, you're under pressure. You have to make a choice. You know, even if it's really, really difficult. And I use the example sometimes. In fact, yesterday I was teaching at my daughter's school. She goes to a Christian school. She's in sixth grade. And it's funny, I was actually talking about um, Satan and how temptation works and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why does God even allow that? You know, why did God allow the, the enemy mm-hmm. to even come near them with that temptation? Mm-hmm. We know that God doesn't tempt us, but we know that he... You know, he elapsed in ways I don't understand, but he gives the enemy like a little room to um, have an opportunity for that. And 
I think one insight we have from Scripture is, is that when we resist the enemy, when we trust for God to help us win that battle, we grow stronger. Like, and it's kind of like working out. It's like, what, it, what happens when you work out? It's like, oh, you go to your limit and you get tired. Well, then you rest and then like a couple of days long, you know, later, like your muscles have grown just a little bit, right? You do that over months and months, you know, working with resistance. And it's like, you're able to lift more weight than you were, than you started. Mm. The same thing goes with these tests in, in our lives. So I think the other thing to say about the tree in the garden is, and this is something that we could miss and. I mean, grownups miss this, and, but I would want our kids to get this and grownups to recover it. The tree is good. Both trees. Mm -hmm. God looked upon, you know, it was made in those days of creation and nothing that God made was bad. <laughs> the tree of knowledge of good and evil is a good creation. Um, it's, you know, and this can kind of give us a, you know, knowledge of good and evil is something that later on, like after we're redeemed in Christ, I mean, we're told to like discern the difference between good and evil. I mean, when Solomon becomes king, he prays for wisdom, which is to discern good. Yeah. This is, it's, you know, it's in Proverbs and it's in the Psalms. It's the difference here is seeking knowledge so that we can be like God. So, and basically it was like, so we don't need God hmm. that. And again, it's kind of like, do we love thing? Do we got loved God's things more than God himself? Cause the tree of life is God hmm. himself. So God gives us this. So number one, it's a test so that we can have victory. And hmm. I think he gives us these things so that we can have more authority over the enemy. Um, mm -hmm. in our Christian life, we grow stronger. Um, and also that, um, I mean, this may not necessarily, you know, this may be too difficult or complicated for kids, but, you know, some of the, you know, theologians of the church believe that like, it's not that God was going to keep them from eating the, not from that tree of knowledge of good and evil from forever necessarily. It's just that they had to learn the right order. <laughs> um, and yeah. they had to learn to, you know, to be nourished with his life. Can I trust you with these other gifts? So, I mean, I, you know, thinking about this, like, reminds me of, um, you know, y'all probably know this, like, with kids your age and especially, like, new parents. You know, the tree of knowledge and good and evil is not created bad. Um, and it's kind of like there's certain things that are going to nourish a newborn and an infant. And there's certain things that you can't feed them. And certain things you can't feed them yet. This is how, like, mm -hmm. in the dark I was as a young dad. I, I didn't know that you're not supposed to give honey to a baby. Well, <laughs> <No. laughs> <laughs> you know, it was like, is honey wrong? <laughs> no. It, it, no. But the baby's not ready for yeah. it. it. It's a threat to yeah. their very life. They eat it too early. You can use honey when your body can take a little bit more, but... Guess what? If that's the only thing you want and you don't care about protein, you're going to get other problems yeah. going on. You know, mm -hmm. you get diabetes, yep. you know, mm -hmm. these kind of things. It's <laughs> like it's not bad, but um, it can it can be deadly if we pursue that first. Yeah. And the last question we had from a kid was, what if I lie too much, so much so that I can't go to heaven? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I I wish that I could have that like 
conversation in person. Um, yeah. So before I answer that question, just speaking to the parents um, mm-hmm. who are listening, I think we ought to we ought to ask not only what they're asking, but it's like where's that question coming from? And now mm-hmm. this, you know, it's probably not appropriate to ask that child. That would be way too much, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but to say, oh, what's underneath that? Well, that's a mm-hmm. great fear. Um, and I think it's like the way in which we respond to questions like that, if we can see underneath the reasons why they're mm-hmm. asking that, helps us actually how we ask the question itself. So when I hear the question, what if I lie so much so I can't go to heaven? I'm like, this is a great opportunity to talk about the goodness of the gospel, how the gospel is greater than our sin. And of course we take very serious um, sins that we, you know, have become not just a one-time thing, but become a habit. It's not that we take that lightly whatsoever, but you know, the underneath that fear I mean, underneath that question is the fear that my, my sin is stronger than grace. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think, you know, that's a great opportunity to say, um, to talk about like what Paul said, you know, but when sin increased, grace abounds even more. And so it's yeah. to say, you know, when we yep. come to, to Jesus after lying. And if we've lied 50 or a hundred times, but we still are asking for his forgiveness and his help, he is merciful and he, he forgives us. His grace is stronger than the sin and he wants to heal us. And so I would still actually Mm -hmm. talk with, um, uh, a child, um, or, you know, if it were my kids too, like I would say, you know, the number one thing, too, is we need to make sure that we're, if we keep struggling with this same sin, that um, that our heart still feels sad about it, that it mm-hmm. doesn't become mm-hmm. something yeah. where we're just like, you know, that because, I mean, the, the biblical language we would talk about is like, we got to guard against hardness of heart, where it's just like, oh, it's yeah. just something I do, or... If we lose being sad about the sin, that's when I get worried. Not, mm-hmm. you know, not the continue, you know, c- continuing to fail. That's what it's like to be human. We're just weak. Yeah. Um, I was talking to my own spiritual director, by the way, um, about fatherhood. And one of the things that he mentioned to me was his kids, you know, have kids now. And he said, they, one of his kids said to him, one of the turning points for them and their relationship was when their parents talked to them about their own struggles. Um, mm-hmm. And of course you do this in appropriate ways at different ages de- of development, yeah. but you know, letting them in a little bit, letting them see how you fail um, or just telling mm-hmm. them that you do. Um, mm-hmm. I think that that would like just normalize things. So, uh, you know, I think, uh, if we if we talk about how grace is greater than sin uh, and that we mm-hmm. we want to be sad about our sin when it happens, then that's 
That's the most important thing. You know, we have this, and here's another practical thing that we can do with this. Um, so you mentioned Lent and observing that, like in mm-hmm. Anglican tradition, uh, in daily prayer, we begin morning prayer with a short little phrase in the season of Lent that says, the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Mm. So maybe we just teach our kids like to remember that. Um, yeah. We hear it every day and it works like water going over stones, right? When you do that every mm-hmm. single day, it's wanting to get it deep into your heart. Hey, this is, the, yeah. you know, who God is most of all. In the season yeah. when we're getting real serious about our sin, the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. And I think we could talk about how the best examples of people who who feel sorry about their sins are people like the publican who's like standing far off and he's beating his chest and he's like, Lord, have mercy. I'm not worthy. And it's like, hey, if that's where you, you know, if that's what it's like for you, Jesus said, that's the way you ought to pray when you, you know, fall into sin. He's used that as an example. So be that example when you fall. And remember, his grace is better than sin. Always, always, always. Yeah. Sorry, I got fired up a little bit there. No, (laughs) that's great. No, I think what you said, even just at the beginning, um, like it's a question like, where is this question coming from as parents? And this is not to blame parents or anything like that, but for us to be like, are we instilling in our children that, you better not sin so much. And that also comes from our own lives. Are we telling that to ourselves? Are we not having enough grace and compassion for ourselves? And then imparting that onto our children as well, because most likely it's that we're not having enough grace for ourselves. We're not remembering the grace and compassion of Christ enough. And we're scared that if we sin too much, we're going to go to hell. So I think, yeah, just being introspective about that and taking the questions that our kids ask and be like, what does this say about what I think about my spiritual life or what I think about Christ too? And what are they yes. learning from me because of the questions that they're asking? Yeah. You know, one thing I think to be watchful of, I mean, Paul even speaks about this, like we got to be aware of like, you know, sadness is, can be useful to keep us um, being sorry for our sins, can be useful to guard mm-hmm. against hardness yeah. of heart, but we really ought to be watchful of our kids to see that they don't mm-hmm. become overcome with sadness because yeah. this is a different topic, but one of the eight deadly thoughts the desert fathers knew that Satan uses is despair. And, mm-hmm. you know, this sense of like, I, I, you know, I'm just such a screw up, you know? And yeah. it's like that, that can be like this undertow that just like draws them in. So it, you know, some kids, their temperament just themselves is like, can lead themselves to just brood on how they messed up. And it's like, oh, we've got to come near them and encourage them so that they don't just get mired into, you know, just how Mm -hmm. bad that they messed up because that can lead to a dark place and darker patterns. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and something that we had talked about right in in earlier episodes is as we're uh, talking to our children about these questions that they have about different topics like how, how much of this are we working on internally yeah right mm-hmm. for ourselves yes. as as um christ followers as parents right like especially uh-huh. like sin like mm-hmm. like like what are we doing to address the sin in our lives right yes. so that we can so that we can model like be like be models for mm-hmm. our yeah uh for our children right when they come to us with these very like honest questions um, that they have. Yeah. 
Yeah, apologizing yes. for our sin against our kids, asking for forgiveness when we sin against our kids or our spouse in front of our kids and being honest yes. about what we're, what's going on, on in our lives too, in inappropriate ways, of course. But You know, one of the things that I've said to um, couples and getting ready to be married and said it in parenting uh, as well is, what does my wife need most from me? Uh, and my belief is to receive the love of Jesus mm. and, you know, first for myself. Mm. Um, and the same is true for my kids. And so I can only give away that which I'm receiving. And th- yeah. this goes back to like the tree of life. Like I'm not saved by my knowledge. I'm not saved by, you know, getting the right uh, answer, the right technique. I'm saved by his, pre- you know, by his very presence and his grace. So I have to mm-hmm. return to that again and again and just receive it because I was made to receive it. And it's like, that's how I live from that uh, and offer it to my kids is that mm-hmm. I come from a fresh experience myself of yeah. having received it. Yeah. So as we, as we end, uh, come to the end of our, of our time, um, we usually ask two questions um, to all of our okay. guests uh, right. just about, again, what we've been talking about. Uh, and one of them is, what is one misconception? Oh, I mean, there's, I know there's, <laughs> I know there's a lot of them. Um, but, yeah. but what is one uh, misconception that probably sticks out to you most um, that you've heard um, about sin? Yeah, I think particularly for, you know, evangelicals and those in the, like, uh, a Reformed or Protestant tradition. Um, Charles Williams, who was a, an associate of C.S. Lewis, um, Bit of an eccentric dude, um, but uh, brilliant. <laughs> he said, "He said that regarding Augustine, who you know, developed so much of our teaching, our understanding about sin, those kind of things." He said, "Augustine nearly made the mistake of focusing on the sin of Adam more than the redemption of by the second Adam." So, mm. the misconception we have about sin, I think rather than getting into all the details about that is that we focus on that sometimes more than the kingdom that Jesus announced and the way of life Mm, that he was calling to live. In other words, we're looking this, um, and it's, we're looking in the shadows. We're looking at the negative side instead of gazing first at the beauty and the goodness of things. Mm. Um, so that to me is the, the mistake because, which doesn't in any way reduce the seriousness of sin. Again, it's fatal. <laughs> it's a deadly yeah. disease. Uh, yeah. um, C.S. Lewis was really concerned about this too. I mean, he he spoke about you know Christians having a morbid preoccupation with sin. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And what I need is, and this is what the word integrity means. It's like I need a harmony. I need an integrity of this. And so it's like because I'm grown up in an evangelical world, because I've grown up in a Western mindset, I need to be infused more by um, the beauty and the virtues of the gospel um, and how it reaches me, the the joyful aspects of it, because that inspires me to the way of life Jesus talks about rather than just, it's like, just don't screw up, just don't screw up. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, um, in other words, when I look at his beauty um, and I see his glory, I can't also help see, this is Isaiah in chapter six, right? Woe is me for I'm undone. Mm. You know, I dwell on a beat. But it was a vision of his beauty that led him to repentance. Um, yeah. 
And it's like, that's what, that's the shift we need. That's the misconception. And in my mm-hmm. view, which goes back to begin the story with beauty, not, mm-hmm. it doesn't begin with sin. And remember the story ends with glory, yeah. the glory of Christ, the glory of the father, son, and spirit and the glory of the saints. And what would you want every child to know about sin? What's one thing you'd want them all to know? So we talked about a misconception. What's one thing you'd want them to take away? Yeah, that Christ has conquered sin, that mm-hmm. belonging to Jesus, you are hidden in Christ with God, and we all fail, we all sin, <laughs> and to remember that he is the one to fight with battle when we're tempted and when mm-hmm. we fail. Um, it's, and this is, this is the story, like from the beginning, it's like Israel, when they're at the Red Sea, you know, Pharaoh's chariots are like bearing down on them. And then they're like, you know, what do we do? And Moses says, this fight belongs to the Lord. You only have to be still Mm -hmm. saying Joshua Jericho, you know, Jesus in the wilderness, the word of God, you know, it's like, let Jesus fight for you against temptation Mm -hmm. and let him be your answer um, and remember, it's not how good you do it or how, you know, like, did you feel it? You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. how, you know, all of those, did you have all the feels? It's like, no, you belong, you are hidden in Christ. And mm-hmm. so find shelter in him. And remember the Lord's full of compassion and mercy. You are his. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, I just love that when we talk about sin and the different ways that we sin, we can always like bring it to, but God, yeah. right? Like, Hey, like, yes, I did this. I messed up, but God, mm-hmm. you know, who but God. is full of compassion, full of grace, mm-hmm. the grace that just grace and peace that just surpasses all understanding. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, yeah. Is able to, and, ha- and has already redeemed. Yes. What we have. Done. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. We, we just preach the gospel, you know, I think that's just a, a beautiful picture and a, a wonderful uh, reminder, right, yeah. of yeah. Um, what we have in Christ mm-hmm. as Christ followers. Mm-hmm. Um, Father Jack, again, we can't, we can't thank you enough yeah. for you so much. joining us today, um, again, to talk, about, to talk about sin uh, and talk about sin in a way that we can um, understand and communicate with our mm-hmm. children who have uh, very good and honest yeah. questions, right? I, I think that's <laughs> something I, I probably say like once an episode, but it's just just amazing to me at how um, honest, right, children are, right? Because they yes, they, they have nothing really to, you know, to hide in that front when they're curious about uh, certain things of, of the world, you know? <laughs> and, uh, their, uh, their honesty and their questions is, is very uh, inspiring to me. Yeah. Um, and so with, with all of our episodes, we like to end with a benediction. Um, so Wonderful. You please uh, join us in that. Indeed. To him who is able to do far more than we can understand, may he give us the wisdom to raise our children to first love God above all else and love others as themselves. Go in peace. Amen. Amen.